Welcome to episode 10 of the Sink or Swim podcast. Whoa, did you say 10? Yeah, man, that's like a big milestone. Wow, we're already at 10. How many hours is that? I mean, they they run about a one and a half, one and a half hours? We're probably around 15 hours. Of us. Just talking away, saying stuff that doesn't matter. I'll say it again. I wish somebody would listen to them all in a row at max volume in a room. (laughs) With studio quality headphones. (laughs) Hearing every one of our poorly pronounced no, words. No, no headphones, just speakers on. Okay. Yeah. So today's guest, <laughs> uh, we have a special guest, another one of our students in this series. Uh, I guess we kind of have skipped around a little bit with some other people, but mostly just student interviews. One of our classmates has been here with us from the beginning. One of our favorites. And when we say the beginning, we say the beginning. The OGs. I'm glad the, uh, the check cleared for you to say that. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> the class of 22. Sam Rainey, soon to be Dr. Sam Rainey, future OBGYN. Which is awesome. I like Sam. Um, all throughout the four years, we've been known as Boy Sam and Girl Sam. Um, when someone refers to Sam, you always go, wait, which one? Boy Sam or Girl Sam? Boy Sam or Girl Sam. So now we have Girl Sam, the host, and Boy Sam, the guest. Welcome. It's very nice having you here. Thank, Thank you, you for, for being here. Me. We're so, excited. Me too. This is great. I've listened to a few of them. Okay. Very impressed. Okay. They're fun. So it was very important for us to have you on because I think you have a super interesting story. Um, And we want you to share it with the listeners, the future listeners, the past listeners, whoever is listening now. Um, Brad, shout out Brad. Let's shout out Brad, everybody. Hey, Brad. Shout out Brad. Shout out Brad. Um, But your story is super interesting. You're a non-traditional med student, um, and here you are in medicine, and you are going into OBGYN, which I think is the coolest specialty. It was my most fun clerkship. I think it was everybody's most fun clerkship. Um, tell us your life story. Young Sam. Where's he from? Okay. So I'm originally from Northern California. Yes. Um, and then I went to college out in Colorado. And before that, uh, in between college um, and high school, I did a little stint trying to be a professional snowboarder. And uh, you can tell how that turned out because Wait, I, am, I didn't know that. Quote unquote, not a snowboarder currently. I did not um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really? a little fun fact. Okay. What were you, were you like trying to be on the Olympic team or? Um, yes. Okay. Not, not very well, obviously. What was but, the extent of your career? Yeah, um, so <laughs> I've never like talked about this and okay, uh, thing. But right. um, so I grew up in like a really small area of Northern California. We had a ski park like 20 minutes from my house. So it was like, Everyone there did winter sports. So I started competing at like 15. And then um, from there, I started competing nationally and internationally um, and continued competing through college. Um, So it was a a fun little stint of my life. But how many years? Like five plus years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I have like a few national titles and no kidding. A couple decent like international results. This is snowboarding or skiing? This is snowboarding. Snowboarding, bro. Mostly yeah. like downhill cool. slalom, giant slalom, and border cross. Yeah. Uh, what is border cross? It's what like, is slalom? So border cross is like the only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, slalom is, is like what you watch the ski racers okay, do. Okay, that's what I and figure. then border okay. cross is where the, you like start at the mountain, like four to six people at once, and they go through the course with like the bank turns and the jumps and, and the, they're all racing uh, the, the Wu Tangs. Yeah, and it's like first man down or woman down wow. at the bottom of the mountain. Can is you the make winner. contact with the other border? You you can. There's a lot of contact, but like you're not allowed to like push or shove. Okay. You can like defend your space. I'm like boxing out right now, like in basketball, but Whoa. yeah. Dang. So that's what I did in between um, high school cool and snowboarding college. Doctor. So then you grew up in Northern California. So what did you, did you ever go up to Mammoth? Uh, well, Mammoth is like 
at the southern part of the state. So like Tahoe oh. is like the the big area. Um, okay, so the, you went up to the mountains. Tahoe. Yeah. Okay. That's where I like started competing, and then um, out in Colorado, and then from there just bouncing around. Wherever Did the you end were. up in Colorado because of the snowboarding? Like you said, you grew. Yeah, up in I Northern. lived in. Well, I lived in Steamboat for that a year in between, um, and then I like made a drug deal with my parents essentially, where it was like. <laughs> Uh, I got to be like sponsored by Team Mom and Dad for that one year. Nice. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Shout out to shout you. Out shout out Mom and Dad. I think we all have a good shout out to Mom and Dad from time to time. But um, the <laughs> <laughs> most of us, <laughs> um, yeah. So in exchange for doing that for a year, I had to go to the Air Force Academy, which is where my brother was. It's also in Colorado. That's my in parents, Colorado Springs. Yeah, Springs. Colorado okay. Springs. My okay. parents loved the Air Force Academy. I wanted no part of it, but I was willing to do it for this at least a year. This is part of the drug deal. This is the drug deal. So, so wait, wait, so this is what you said. Let me go to Colorado Springs and I'll go to the Air Force Academy. Well, let me train in Steamboat for at least a year. And, and in I'll exchange, go. I will do at least one year at the Air Force Academy. Wow. And so I did. And once I got to the Air Force Academy, I just like fell in love with like the people there and the experiences. So, so you won that deal. I, I definitely won that deal. I got like both parts. So sometimes I hate to say this on a public record, but like sometimes your parents do know what's best for you in a way. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell your mom. Your mom's going to listen to that. Oh, she's definitely going to listen. Uh, She'll probably five minutes save in, this. Five minutes, 27 <laughs> seconds. Mom knows all already. Mom knows all. So you... Steamboat Springs. I've been there twice. Yeah, what did you think? It's pretty it's remote. It's nice. I ate, uh, I ate a, a sushi taco there. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's Yeah, it was like um, a mixed place, like a, a Oh, fusion. a nice Mexican-Asian yeah. fusion restaurant. <laughs> yeah, they put like <laughs> sushi fillings into a taco. Okay. Um, that and probably wasn't terrible then. No, no, no. And they I, use like a wonton taco? Yeah, or is yeah, it like yeah. It was a, real, a wonton oh, taco. It was a wonton okay. taco. Yeah, it wasn't like a corn tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you never know. That might be good, though, because there are fish tacos, and those are in corn tortillas, right? So those are fine. True, true. Um, but yeah, it was like in a wonton taco. Um, and then we uh, went. I went skiing. Okay. Very horribly, I... Uh, I uh, ripped my MCL on the the uh, magic carpet, you know, the little, mm. uh, the little, um, the, what's it? It's like a little escalator. Like ski a flat. Lift. Yeah. It's well, not it's, a ski It's lift. like a mat. It's, it's like a conveyor kids. belt. Oh, the small one. It's yeah, a yeah. conveyor yeah. belt. Yes, yeah. I've seen those. Near the bunny slopes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was my one time um, Did doing you hit that. like on, like when you stepped on, when you stepped off, just in the middle, did your MCL yeah, just pop? Yeah, it just kind of like, my knee went in and then it, it hurt and mm. then that was it. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Eh, nah, it happens all the time. I took my friend Matt. Uh, I taught. He was from Nebraska. He was my roommate in freshman year at the academy. I taught him how to snowboard, and it was his second day. I was like, "Don't follow me because I'm going to go through the half pipe," and he didn't listen and he followed me. <laughs> and he like instead of riding up the wall, he rode into the wall nice. and just broke his arm. <gasps> and I was like, "That was uh, uh, oh, wow. not a good he way not to listen. yeah, oh, not nice. a good way to start your snowboarding experience." So you grew up small town California. You have Lake Tahoe, and then there was Samantha growing up in Reno, Nevada. There we were, separated by a mountain. Exactly. Wow. We were close. We were close. Um, And then you were in Colorado. You were in Colorado Springs. I lived in Denver for some time. Um, So you did Air Force. How long is that? So the Air Force Academy is four years. And then after I served as an active duty captain, um, well, lieutenant through captain, uh, working in civil engineering. So... Um, civil engineering in the Air Force is interesting. It's exactly what you think of when you think of like construction and you know vertical and horizontal construction. 
um, but they do a lot of other stuff like the fire department's part of civil engineering we do all of the base maintenance and then um, like the sexy job is explosive ordnance disposal so like um, the Hurt Locker movie. Yeah. That's a story about those guys. So they're in the civil engineering realm as well. So what made you choose? So you go, you go, and I'm, I'm, you'll have to excuse me. I'm, I don't know anything about this. So you go to the Air Force Academy, and that's like akin to going to like a university for a bachelor's degree. Exactly. Okay. And so you get there, you're young Sam, Sam Rainey, and you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Up until this point, I thought I was going to be there for a year and like go back to skiing and snowboarding. Okay. So when, um, you, when you go to this academy, you're not like making a commitment of I'm going to serve afterwards. Or- you do. But it's like if you show up the third day or the first day of your third year, then you owe at least two years in the military. And if you finish the academy, you owe a minimum of five. But if you're like a rated position, like pilot, navigator, RPAs, uh, sorry, remote piloted aircraft, um, then you owe 10. So um, it is a big commitment, but like, I don't know, you guys have probably noticed this because we're all close to the same age, like life in your 20s and early 30s, uh, (laughs) like goes really quickly, like blink of an eye. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So it like seems like an eternity, but it's really not like mine finished super fast, I felt like. So how long were you? I know you you did the academy and then how long was that whole course of being in the Air Force? Uh, Just over five years. So I did three years in Anchorage, Alaska, a year in Honduras, and then a year in Los Angeles. Wow, okay. Wait, I have questions about the academy because I'm still fascinated by this. So you go, I know it's in Colorado Springs and you live there. Um, and you live like on campus in dorms. Yeah, or, all four or years. Barrack, barracks or whatever yeah, they call them. I mean, they're dorms. They're dorms. Yeah. Okay. And the Air Force Academy, I drove by it once. It's really cool because I went to the Colorado Springs uh, Mountain Zoo. You've okay. probably been yeah, to yeah. that Cheyenne a bunch. Zoo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw a monkey in a cage. It made me really sad because he was crying. Um, but and I, I remember seeing the Air Force Academy. It's big, and it's like the staple of Colorado Springs. So you go there. Did you fall in love? I mean, you stayed longer than a year. I did. I absolutely loved it. Like the people there, I mean, it's kind of like med school where like shared trauma is such a good bonding experience. Well, like the first year is like full trauma. Um, (laughs) You're as a dually, they call them duallys. Like the first years. Yeah. What does that sound like? What does that mean? Oh man, I don't remember. Okay. Don't pin me on this in the middle. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't remember. I'm sorry. It's it's some old tradition. Okay. So Um, you're a dually. You're you're a dually. So like. And you wear um, a uniform every you day. You wear a uniform every day. So oh, wow. some days it's blues. So like the ple- pressed blue shirt and slacks. Other days it's ABUs, Airman Battle Uniform. It's probably changed what they wear now. But um, so like, for example, they make your life suck. Like you on the outside, it's a terrazzo with a marble strip on the edge mm-hmm. in this huge courtyard. And you as a dually, you have to run holding your backpack in your left hand um, and on the furthest perimeter route you can take like on the edge so all the seniors and juniors and sophomores get to walk across the most direct path you have to walk on the very edge and sometimes it adds like an extra like 15 minutes to your walk this is one of those like beautiful unwritten rules i'm sure that are like oh no it's written oh yeah yeah. it's written yeah Yeah, it's like it's like a thing oh and to make it worse so like whenever you pass an upperclassman um you have to greet them so like there's a ton of upperclassmen always walking so around. You're just so you're constantly saying like, good morning, sir. And then whatever your squadron's tagline is. So like, no, uh, this is awesome. like, 
you know, it's just ridiculous. Like, good morning, sir. Freedom to America. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. But like, so like my brother was in Squadron 33, the King Rat. So he'd be like, you know, good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. King Rats. Hoo ha ha. Or some stupid little. <laughs> oh, that's even yeah. It's All ridiculous. And like, you don't rat. say it once or twice. You probably say it like a hundred times every time you're walking to or from class. So like a lot of us as a dually, you like find your hiding place where you only have to like do one lap in the morning and one lap at night. So That's awesome. You like plan it out. So you, you do. Like, say the least amount of grades. Yeah, yeah. It's like having a commute in LA. Like you plan your entire day based on your commute. Wow. So That's so cool. And you, you, you decide, okay, I'm going to study civil engineering. This is interesting to me. I like math and yeah, I mean, I had, I had no idea. So, like, everyone at the academy gets a bachelor's of science. Like, the core curriculum is heavy on the sciences. So, even if you major in English, it's still a bachelor's of science in English. Just because your core classes, there's so much science. Like, I think everyone takes like two chemistry classes, like three math classes. Like, it's pretty robust um, and pretty broad. Um, but when you go to like majors night like the ce guys are like building a canoe they make it look like super fun like they're out there there's like a small village on the campus as well that they like build and they do like two weeks in the summer where they do like this huge construction like bed down project and like build like a mini city and then tear it down so i was like this is super cool like this is very much me i grew up like camping and outdoors i was like civil engineering seems pretty fun jokes on me <laughs> nah it worked out you're a doctor <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah I, I mean coming from a small town too like i didn't really see a doctor very much like my town had an np that would provide most of the primary care so i didn't even really have that on a radar by the time i went to college yeah it wasn't um, even it was in the back but you just yeah didn't know yeah it yet. and so i didn't get exposed to like healthcare until like my second or third year really and then i was like oh this is kind of in cool. the academy in the academy and by okay. then it's too late like you've already declared your major um, so, so you go through you, you graduate or uh, is it what they call it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you graduate. So you graduate. Um, but then, okay. So I have a question. Once you become one of the senior students, how do you treat the duallys? Well, so that's do you allow that's like them? a weird question. Like, okay. you're supposed to treat them like a dually, but like I had a a unique experience. I was on the parachute team. And so our main job is to teach like 700 cadets a year how to like free fall skydive. Um, And it's the only program in the world that's their first jump is solo unassisted free fall. So like they get 40 hours of ground training, four minutes in the wind tunnel. And the first time you push them out the plane, it is a solo free fall. They're not strapped to anyone. They pull their own ripcord, save their own lives, land, the navigate the canopy. It's pretty cool. It's not like a army free fall where they just like jump out of the plane. That's still intense. Don't get me wrong. But like they're what? not on a ram air canopy, which means they can't steer. They just go land essentially wherever. Are they wearing like wingsuits or something? No, no, no. no it's they, it's oh, like a canopy a with okay. like and you can turn left or right. Okay. Um, but so like my job, I think being in that position, it was much more of like a mentorship and like more focused on like the human that you're working with yeah instead more of like viewing a them yeah relationship than like yeah and like you're their friend and like you're essentially teaching them in between first and second year that summer so like i definitely had a different view of them i still like y- you have to like instill that process because like your first year is to make you like lose your identity and just kind of fill the peg you know this is you as a dually you're a you know brand new to the military you're we're shaping you to be a military body mm-hmm. so like you still treat them that way but you can do it in a way of respect and i think like having that opportunity on the parachute team definitely 
made that experience a little bit nicer for mm-hmm. my underclassmen. Every story you tell, there's something even more interesting I want to I'm dig sorry. into. Like the parachute <laughs> no, this is team. Great. That's I, so cool. Honestly, like that's what made me stay. Because like I got put on the team my second year. So after your first summer, then you try out. Um, for the parachute team, how do you take... try out for the parachute team? So is like, it like best they... jump? No, or... they. I, I think it's based on like personality or something. But um, like now, it used to be like you would go and they would physically like we call them beat sessions, but they would like essentially work you out to exhaustion, and like only the strongest survives. <laughs> Which thank God for me because like I would not have made it. Like when it comes to physical activity, especially then, I was not. I was kind of like over it in a way. Um, but yeah, that's what really made me stay at the academy was the parachute team. So it definitely sounds like an amazing all around experience. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate to say this, it's probably the only thing in my life that I would, that was like super challenging that I would happily do over and over again. Really? Yeah. It's wow. creepy to say that. No, loud, that's cool. Yeah. So when do you finally get to jump out of your first plane then? You do that in your. Um, right after your first year. So that summer from first to second year, you go through um, basic free fall. So this, this makes sense now that during M1 year, you coordinated a skydiving outing. Yeah, I took my uh, my PBL group after our first big <laughs> exam. We went skydiving. <laughs> oh, my God. I was so sad because, like, they all got to go. And I was like, oh, I'll jump with you and, like, film it. Um, and then the guy wouldn't let me jump because, like, my license had expired by – paid online to like renew it but he wanted me to do ground training and it kind of sucked because like I definitely had like a solid 200 more jumps than <laughs> this instructor <laughs> did I'm like oh man like I have a pro rating like you know I feel like wow. I can definitely land on the field and yeah he was just super busy I think but it was fun to watch them I got to record their landings and whatnot that's great but I've never seen Ali so quiet in my life <laughs> he was like all Shout talk all week and then we went Shoo dead silent which if you know Ali it's yeah. pretty impressive yeah I saw so. Ali really quiet one time it was before a test during fundamentals and I came in, <laughs> I came into the the lecture hall one time uh, a little early like 30 minutes early and he was the only one in there and he was just like slamming out notes just like looking at it and he wouldn't look up and he wouldn't move he was just locked into his notes and I was like wow it's the first time I haven't heard of this kid talk and <laughs> since I met him shout out Ali love you buddy um, so I'm just interested you but you you're in the service for like five years after the academy yeah. Okay. So at what point are you even considering medicine? Like where does that enter? How does that enter? So I think the first time I was exposed, we had a cadet um, lose a limb on the drop zone. He hit a windsock and severed his leg. And then the next three years, I wasn't even on the team yet. Hold on. What is yeah. a windsock? A windsock is like a wind identificator. So like it tells you what direction it is. And depending on how windy it is, like the sock sticks out further and okay, further. Okay, I know what those You've seen are. them on like the I've airport. Seen them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he literally like collided Yeah, he with hit one. a he hit a guide wire and it severed his leg when he was coming in to land. Okay. And then watching him go through his recovery from like the multiple surgeries, he had an infection and they had to like debride it. Um and so like even though I wasn't an instructor at the time, he would come back to the academy and like kind of share his story and his progress. Um and so that I was like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity in medicine that was like my first real exposure and then after that I I it's kind of like match when you get your assignment in the military at the academy Mm -hmm. so like not only do you find out what job you're getting you find out where you're going to so you make same thing you make like a dream sheet oh that's so cool 
hopefully they look at it and you get what you want. Odds are coming from the academy, it's pretty good that you get something that you want. Okay. Um, because you get your jobs before like ROTC does. Um, but yeah, so I had like kind of lived through this match process a little bit once so before. What was on your dream sheet? Uh, I'll tell you what, at the very <laughs> bottom was civil engineering, but the <laughs> algorithm for um, the military matches, if it's on your list, you will be happy there. Yeah. So if they have an, and the, the, the other side of like the rank list for medicine is the military's need. So if they have a hole that they need to fill for civil engineering right. and you have it anywhere on your list, guess what? You're going into that, civil you're going into civil engineering. What was your top like jump instructor? Um, no, I think I wanted to do like acquisitions or contracting, so oh. more of like the business end of it. Um, but I mean, you know, things happen for a reason. So um, you pick the so you you list out all the jobs you like, and then you list out all the places you'd like to do them. Yeah, and then under they, each job, they match and then you. they they match you that. Okay, way. and what'd you get? Where you got civil so engineering? So I got civil engineering in Anchorage, Alaska. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was stoked because well, you like to snowboard. Exactly, and, location, and ski, okay. awesome job. I wasn't too stoked on because I really didn't know it. Like, I didn't really love the civil engineering aspect of the job, um, but once I got there, it was like exactly what I needed. Um, I met like amazing people. Um, so I'm definitely a firm believer in like you end up where you need to end up for most things in life. I agree. So, so Anchorage, Alaska, that's super interesting. Yeah. It's got to be a neat place to live. I loved it. Uh, we went back there this past summer um, once it opened up for co- after COVID and everything. Still loved it. I mean, it's just one of those places that it's like hard to believe is still the United States. Right. Because like. It's so far away. It's so far away. I mean, I think like from here, like we had a really short layover. It was still like 10 hours of travel time. It's like East Russia. Yeah. 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 You can see Russia from your backyard (laughs) there. (laughs) From my little condo. (laughs) Um, So you get, and there's just mountains everywhere and it's beautiful. And well, it's summer. Yeah. So So like Anchorage is a big city. Like there's a Nordstrom's, thank God. Like Mm. it's not like super remote desolate like there's nothing there it's a city of 300,000 people it's okay. right on the ocean so you don't get like a lot of wind is it which like is the, nice. what part of Alaska like west side of Alaska um it's kind of like south central like I always do this oh that's the opposite side you guys can't see this but it's like right here <laughs> okay <laughs> on my hand, hand. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and like I loved it there I had really good friends um who I one of them is now in med school. He's an M two oh, um, awesome. out in Ohio. So um, there's there's no med school in Alaska, which I think there is not. Th- which is a problem. There should it be is a med problem. School there. there should well, I will say this. They have this thing called Whammy, which is Washington, Alaska, Montana, Montana. Idaho. Mm-hmm. And I think they all go to University of Washington for their first two years. And then for clinicals, they can go anywhere in those four states. Okay. And the intent is – and it's all paid for. It's a full scholarship. The intent is you come back and you provide for your local community. So I think they fill the gap that way. Okay. Um, But, yeah, healthcare is insane there. I think the one of the years I was there, there was not a single nephrologist in the entire state. So they were oh. state of Alaska was spending tons of money to bring these specialists up to run clinics. So I, I mean I I don't know anything about this other than what I've heard just from word of mouth. But I've heard there's like these year long contracts you can get for certain specialties. Is this like a myth or is this true? No, it's true. So my friend, so this girl, um, I was in, or I was doing my prereqs for 
uh, med school because I found out when I was there, like, okay, I definitely want to start taking steps towards medicine. So I started taking classes at University of Alaska Anchorage. Um, so like Fridays, I would take leave to go to organic chemistry, which was like a huge bummer to burn your leave to go do like OCHEM. That's the worst thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard of in my life. Yeah, sorry. Not to depress anyone on listening, but yeah, That's it was, it was right a bummer. Um, but yeah, she was super cool. She was um, an artist taking OCHEM and she was doing it because she wanted to be um, a armor restorer, which I did not know was a thing. Like you oh. work in a museum and you restore like she wanted to work with metals. Um, but her mom was, had just gotten her like PhD in clinical psychology and state of Alaska, one paid off over $200,000 of her student loans like that. And then also she was working one week on, one week off. They call it in the bush. So they fly you up to Nome, Alaska. It's pretty far away. It's probably like a seven hour drive. It's part of the Iditarod trail. Um, and then she was making over $200,000 a year working one week on, one week off in the bush. And they gave her essentially like a $200,000 signing bonus. And it was a two year contract. It's just interesting so, and like very not, I mean, I guess it is considered very rural, but like it's a very niche situation in that like there's just not a lot of certain types of professions up there. So they'll pay a lot. True. And like a lot of the community and a lot of the population are in these very small communities where it doesn't really make sense to have a doctor in each of these cities, unfortunately, because I mean, some of the cities are like 50 people. Like, well, odds are they're going to have to travel to mm-hmm. for healthcare. I'm getting like Hallmark movie vibes right now. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like young doctor takes a contract in Alaska. She's a big city girl, but, you know, she's a doctor and she's taking this opportunity and then she meets a local guy. There's um, He fixes oh. up the local Christmas store. He's an armor restore. Yeah, yeah. He's an armor, an armor restore. restore. <laughs> <laughs> they fall in love, but she's supposed to go back to the big city, but she finds out the true meaning in life. And she wants to live outside of Nome, Alaska, yes. city of 70 people. Yes. I watched a horror movie once uh, based in Nome, Alaska. I forget the name of it, but it had like a white owl in it. And Interesting. Yeah. Anybody can Google that. There's but. um like a Netflix show that's like that. I forgot what it's called. Something River. It's this old, like, crusty dock, and a PA comes to the town, and they have, like, oh, this yeah, weird... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched some of that. Yeah, I yeah. watched a couple Something episodes of that. Virgin, Virgin River. River. Virgin, Virgin River. River. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very Hallmarky. <laughs> Shout out, Virgin River. <laughs> yeah, very... Ha- I love Hallmark stuff, yeah. so... So you're taking, you're taking leave for organic chemistry. God bless you. Uh, at what point are you, like, getting ready to apply for medical school? Do you know this whole time that's what you're shooting for? It is. And so, like, I know it's going to take me a long time because, like, I'm working full time. And, like, unfortunately with the military, like, you have temporary duty assignments. Like, I went to Ohio for two months for training. I went to Florida for a week. I went to Guam for two weeks. I was getting, like, my job in Alaska was actually, like, pretty awesome like uh, I wasn't doing like any construction essentially I was in charge of like it sounds super boring but we were updating property records from like the 50s so digitizing them and then like we were taking inventory of the property so we were making sure the buildings hadn't grown legs and walked away and like we're talking like remote islands in the middle of the Aleutian chain so we got to take like a private jet to like these weird remote islands to go look at these like 1950s 1970s like cold war era wow. like satellite buildings and whatnot and like make sure they're there so i got to go to like these really cool <laughs> make parts. sure they're there make yeah sure they're exactly there, yeah. you know so and kind of cool. check out like their condition and whatnot because um, we still maintain all of that no that's that's amazing it's a um, ton of travel and experience. yeah it was like absurd like yeah. we went to uh shimya which is the second to last island on um the aleutian chain and they have it used to be where the russian 
uh, oligarchs would go fly out and hunt foxes. So they have all these Arctic blue foxes. Whoa. So like in the summer when we were there, we went in like spring, summer, there are all these cute little fuzzy little black furry little mm. foxes running around the island. And they t- in the winter, they turn into this like majestic, big, white, fluffy fox. And wow. that's what they would hunt. But they're just like running around the island like crazy. Oh my it was gosh. so cool. And you gave that up. I did. You gave yeah. it up because medicine was your calling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I didn't know if it was my calling then. It was I still like don't a rock in your shoe. Yeah, you exactly. To figure out, I had like, to like at least try it. You okay, know? fair enough. Um, so like, I continued taking classes. I got my assignment to Honduras after Alaska, and I just like knocked out the last of those um, prereqs. So you moved from Alaska to Honduras. Yeah. So yeah. well, I was supposed to be moving to Las Vegas, and then classic military two days before I was set to hop in the plane they're like hey we have a short fill notice and you're like the only single guy that fits the bill so you're going to Honduras I was like okay uh, when do I leave they already picked up and shipped my stuff I like signed a you know housing contract and everything I'm like same time two days I'm like okay so you were all you were already going to Las Vegas yeah to what to Nellis to Nellis oh wow and then but instead you instead you went to Honduras, Honduras. Sotocano, Honduras. I think you lucked out. I did. Like, yeah. looking back, it was, like, yeah. the experience I needed. Like I said earlier, like, the universe puts you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So, firm believer in that. Um, I loved it. It did get old towards, like, the last four months. Like, I was definitely ready to come home. Um, but it was a good assignment. And so, while I was there, I finished out the rest of my, like, like the on- stuff you can do online, like, genetics, um, statistics, like, those easy kill So, you classes. have your day job in Honduras, and then at night, you're... You know, you're studying, you're studying genetics. Yeah, studying. yeah. Okay, wow. So it was wow. not like the best. I did like an intro to biochem class there, which I probably should have done like biochem at the actual in person because that is not a class. Like you want to be able to ask questions in that for, class. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, But I mean, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. And so when I came <laughs> back, I saw that NSU was opening early. So, so this I, was after Honduras. So you come you, So I you landed. Honduras. I leave uh, um, Honduras in August, and I think NSU announced like in September November. or October. Yeah, yeah. Where November. do you go after Honduras? So where are you? Uh, Los Angeles, Los California, Angeles. which was, was that was amazing. your next assignment. That's yeah. where you wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you loved it. I absolutely loved it. My job was so easy. Okay. I had like <laughs> next to no responsibility compared to like Honduras, where I had like 140 airmen that like we were kind of in charge of like making sure they're they were behaving and like the mission was getting done, and also they were developing and like getting their careers going as well. So it was, a, it was um, it's almost like you're on the job like 24 mm-hmm. seven. Um, so compared to that versus um, like LA where my job was to like make sure carpet squares were being replaced in high rises in LA. Like <laughs> this was a dream come true. Like it was just a nice like break. Um, yeah. And so like I found out the school's opening. Um, so I applied. And this is this is great. This is the only school you applied yeah, to. Yeah, this is the only school I applied to. That's fantastic. Yeah, and so like I didn't realize like how lucky I was to have this like actually pan out because like I don't think I think it, I mean granted this is probably the only school I would have gotten accepted to anyways I, if I had applied that late. I don't think so. Well, no, I applied but. super late because I didn't apply like I think NSU got my application in October or November. I didn't even sit for the MCAT until that January. Oh wow! So, so these like, are these are you are a very unique case. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So like this is not like your traditional. This is the non-traditional. Yeah, part. this is the very non-traditional. We're, and part. regardless, I knew I needed to take the MCAT, so I spent like a few months studying, took the MCAT in 
January. Luckily got an interview in February after the score came out. Um, and then and what was it about? Like, why why NSU? Was it because you wanted to be in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my partner Tracy was living out Shout here. Shout out Tracy! Shout out Tracy! Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was living out here. So I was like, oh, this would be cool if this worked out. Um, and then also like. It's a new school, so I thought there'd be free tuition, but uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for a separate podcast. <laughs> we won't poke that bear with a stick. <laughs> but um, so you had been living long distance, and then yeah, so we had was, we had been dating long distance for like two years at oh, this wow. point. Okay, um, so I was like, well, this would be cool if it worked out. So, and I knew like I needed to take the MCAT, and at the end of the day, it's like if I don't, if this doesn't work, I'm set to apply in. Yeah, the, June, for the upcoming July cycle, for the upcoming you're cycle. Ready. That's what I was going to ask because, like, yeah. had this not or had they not come out and be like, hey, we're having this, like, later uh, application opening for the previous cycle, like, were you just planning on applying the next cycle? Yeah, I was just cycle? planning on applying the next cycle. I probably would have taken so, the MCAT in, okay. in March so or whatever. Yeah. Do you realize that this is, oh, this is a possibility. Maybe I could knock it out a year earlier than yeah, I Yeah, exactly. Planned. I was like, yeah. I mean, okay, to – to do like the med school application and like sit for the MCAT, it's a lot of money. It's a thousand dollars. If you're applying for one school, it is kind of like an expensive way to do it. But I was like, eh, I'll roll the dice. Like if this happens, it's great. Um, you know, big energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, big I mean, energy. I can say that because I was like fully employed as a captain, replacing carpet squares. Yeah. <laughs> doing, not, we're not, not doing. You know, we're not recommending this yeah. for the average applicant. Yeah. This was not the way I would do about Rainey, it if my situation was different. <laughs> Um, wow, that is so cool. Yeah, I definitely lucked out on that front. All right. uh, I would say the school lucked out. I would say it was a mutual luck out. It was a mutual luck out. It was a mutual, was a mutual we'll, luck we'll out. So we ask all of our guests, where were you? Or do you remember where you were, what you were doing when you got to your acceptance? I do. I was at Andrews Air Force Base, which is in the middle of nowhere, Southern California. And we were, so L.A., you have, so as civil engineering, you have to like maintain your certain competencies, like your annual training, kind of like in medicine. Um, so I was at Andrews Air Force Base and I was doing my Humvee training um, when I got the cool. call. Like the original Humvees, the yeah. ones that like flip, yeah, yeah. like they flip over, right? Well, or I they, mean, super can they rare. drive on their side or? I mean, they can drive on. You two can wheels. get them up on a pretty good angle, but oh like gosh. they're pretty hard That's to flip because cool. they're like really wide and they're not super tall. Okay. So like their center of gravity is pretty low. Cool. I don't know. You probably have to be doing something pretty crazy to flip one. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so you were at so the I base. So I was at base, literally driving a Humvee, and I felt my phone buzz, and so I handed it over to Wait, my Wait, can NCO. I set the moment? Are you wearing, like, helmet, fatigues, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. thing? Looking like, a, like, full, like a microphone. Looking like I'm playing Army. Okay, all like, right. But I'm cool. in the Air Force. Green or <laughs> Replacing brown? carpet it, squares it, on my day job. Is it green colors or brown colors? Because in it's my both. head, I'm thinking it's like, brown. It's like those desert – you look like a desert rock. Okay, Like, right. I could go lay in Palm Springs, and no one would find me. Okay, so this is – okay, this is like – okay, all right. Yeah. I get it. Now. Yeah, and so I get a text from uh, – oh, gosh. I don't know if it was Yari or um, – oh, I think it was her. She's like, can you take a call? And I had my NCO text her back. And I was like, yeah. And then um, – NCO. Sorry, non-commissioned officer, like okay. a staff sergeant, tech sergeant. Um, and so then get a call, put it on speakerphone. Didn't realize that you really can't hear over a Humvee engine. <laughs> And uh, it was Jamie, and she just wanted to say, hey, Sam, I'm about to send you an email. I wanted to give you a call, though, and say congratulations. Um, you've come off the wait list, and we're offering you admission. And I was like, oh, my God, wow. Like, Because I was only in L.A. for 10 months, and this was kind of like the only thing I really like focused on as far as like a personal goal, and it like happened. Like, This is in like May or June, and like time frame, 
I just found out like they sent out a sheet that was like short notice, like one year remote assignments, like who's hot for one. Cause I didn't have a deployment. So this was a one year hot deployment to South Sudan. And I was like, oh God, like I hope I do not get this. Cause when you Google South Sudan, it's like the top 10 news stories are like civil war, like erupting. And I'm like, <laughs> not, oh. not laying carpets in LA. Yeah, not laying the carpet squares in LA. So it's med school or South Sudan. Well, you're looking yeah, at it's starting South to, Sudan. It's starting to look like that. So okay. I'm like, well, I guess this is, this is what like made the deal seal for me. Okay. So, and like I, that day I put in like my paperwork to separate and I had to play the game right so I could get my GI bill. So like, I had saved all my leave this year so that I could do like terminal leave. So you're still active duty, but you're not physically there. And so I met the minimum GI Bill mark by like the 90 day minimum and a day. So I had like 91 days of service past my commitment. So I got like the bare minimum GI nice. Bill for school, which was nice. Nice. And GI Bill, for those who don't know, it pays for school, undergrad or it, grad? So or? it pays for 36 months of okay. school. So because we're year round, it's three years, but you get like a certain percentage. Mine worked out to be like 40% of your allotment and then about 40% of the housing allowance they would normally give. So nice. it was a nice little cushion, yeah. especially yeah. to like transition off of like being full-time employment. And that can work that. for grad school too. Yeah, grad work. school. Okay. And like the, the secret deals, if you serve like three years past your commitment, a lot of schools participate in what's called the Yellow Ribbon Program, which is where you get full GI Bill benefits and the school matches it and then provides the rest. Okay. So like a lot of state schools, like you can go get like a master's or a graduate degree for free. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Good. Well, it There's should be. There's some like be. amazing opportunities out there. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, it's here, not for free because no, you yeah. guys do a lot. Sacrifice it, it, a lot, yeah. do a lot, and put a lot of work you don't, in. It's, it's, it's like in a realize. nice little bump for losing autonomy for a few years. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, the, so that was a really great extensive background. I yeah, didn't sorry. know a lot. Of, no, 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 don't no, no, apologize no, 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 That's incredible. I didn't know a lot of that about you. So that, that sets the stage. He's the most interesting person in our class for sure. He's Other in the running. Me. I agree. He's in the running. Yeah. yeah. There's, we he have a lot of the... interesting people. You went to film school. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's like no big deal. Samantha, that's not that big of a deal. That's that, like that that's is like, like me, very unique. That's like though. me watching, you know, Citizen Kane <laughs> in a, in a, with a room full of people. Like, not that interesting. Rosebud. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> you, you have to write. You have to write like a ten-page essay on it, and you somehow always get a C minus because your professor thought Rosebud meant one thing. You think it means another. Those classes are hard. Subjective grading, yeah. gotta love yeah. it. Yeah, those classes are hard. So you get to medical school. What a different change of pace, I assume. Well, no. From first of all, I have a first week. Like, are you excited? Like, you and your, you and Tracy finally get to live in the same town. Yeah, that's, it was. Like, that's, to I me, will that's say this. The, that's, the, that's the gift. So, right? like, I left my last day on the job. I worked Tuesday. Got on the plane. Like, my base is like really close to the to LA International Airport. So I like drove Uber to LAX. I had already shipped my car. And then on Thursday, we had like our first orientation day. And if you're ever changing careers, whoever is listening to this, give yourself more time than like 48 hours because you need it. Like that was like something I did not set myself up for for success when it came to medical school. It was like too much happening too quickly. Like so moving in with a partner, military... having a dog, changing careers, going back to student in two days. life in two days. It was That's it was rough. too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you made it. Yeah, barely. I had to have made, I mean, like, like fun here I am at the end, like, on three spare tires, like, you <laughs> the know. The train's coming, sparks <laughs> flying into the <laughs> Exactly. <station. laughs> like, the engine has no oil left in it. Like, Aww. 
you know. But you're here. But we're here. <laughs> Do you have a buffer of time at least between now and residency? You have oh plans? yeah, yeah. We're going. Oh, you to, took it off. You're not. You don't have any more. I have nothing left, so I'm definitely rejuicing, replenishing. Welcome putting, to the club. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, putting that like, you know, what is it? The deposits into the emotional bank. So yes. love it. Yeah. And where, um, so you you get to here, you get here. You have your forty eight hours. I have my forty eight <laughs> hours. Forty eight hours, which included like going to the DMV, getting a license, the you know, worst changing residence. Yeah, all the all the like life admin you have to do. And you get here, and this is something that you and I think only a few of us really can uh, commiserate about, or maybe not commiserate, but sort of you know uh, have kinship in is that you get here, and all of a sudden it's you and a bunch of twenty two year olds, and you have to adjust the way you act. Or adjust the way you perceive people's actions because it's just you're in a different world now. It's totally different. True. And I also had, like, no idea what medical school was really going to be like. I had a few friends who went through medical school, but I didn't, like – like, you don't stay close with them because they just disappear for these, like, four to eight years between medical school and residency. Mm -hmm. You, like, catch up over, like, Facebook – randomly for a birthday or I whatever, thought medical but. school would be like a bunch of people in a room like talking like excited about proteins and substrates and things like that but that's not what it was no I no. didn't realize like how like it is incredibly independent and like school that was what I was not prepared for school at the academy was much I thought much more collaborative and like people you kind of invested in each other more and don't get me wrong like I definitely learned how to use Anki from you, Mitch, and like stuff like that. So there is like a lot of collaboration that does happen in medical school. But at the end of the day, it is your independent knowledge. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not as much of like a team event. Like all of the projects at the academy were like you would get assigned. Like the projects were huge, but you would get inside like one little part and you'd work together and build it as a team. Correct me if I'm wrong because obviously I don't have your experience in the military, but I assume that was more like – unanimous collaboration like we're all in this together kind of thing versus here like yeah we are all in this together but our career paths and the way we learn it's all very very different so like sure we're in the same classes but we're all doing it a lot differently absolutely so like there are little collaborations like me teaching you something or like a pbl group maybe you have like your group of friends that study together but as far as the whole class coming together even with a small class size like ours it probably just doesn't happen much and it's probably not unique to just here well yeah because yeah. it's just your eras it's you applying for residence it's your board yeah. Step scores. Exactly. It's very solo. And like there is collaboration that happens in med school, like you described. Um, But yeah, I just remember like, and it's just different. Like engineering and medicine are totally different. So like I remember at night we would come home or go back to the dorms to study and we'd be working on our problem sets all together. Like, oh man, like I forgot how to like find this beam in the steel manual and someone would show you how to do it, which like it does kind of happen in medicine. But at the end of the day, like I would go home and I would study by myself because like, you have to learn it. Like, you know, it's like, maybe, it's you. Yeah, maybe it'd be different if we were like, you know, that 18 to 22 subset and we were all living in the same dorms and like. Yeah. You know, yeah. I saw some experience. people like in PBL rooms together studying, but I'm like you, I have to study alone. Like, I, I you know, yeah, it's not gonna I, go I, I knew like, way. I will say this. I was like pretty like regimented about my sleep during med school because I like knew how cranky I get. Like. I can count on like one hand how many times I stayed up past 11 these last four years. Me too. Like I, <laughs> I was like 1030 is it. Like if I don't have it and this is like probably why I didn't do like as hot as I could have. But like if I'm not going to get it at by 1030, I'm not going to get it by 11 or 1130. Yeah, I'm, not or all about, I'm not about like, the all nighters at all. So yeah. You might as well get some rest. Yeah. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> like, I have a theme song that's I, I sing this song to myself. 
every time it's 10:30 and I'm still studying I put on this song you what might know it? it it's if you don't know me by now ooh you never 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 know me you just put it on ooh yeah that's beautiful. It's my theme song. Okay. You know that song. I don't, but like what? maybe if you sang another verse, I would know it. Oh, I think that's the oh, only okay. part I know. <laughs> it's like an 80s song. No, but that is like a good, um, you know, that's a good motto. And I, I learned that quickly. Like, you know, fundamentals, I was like so blessed to even have just like finished with a pass that I was like, even though it was with yeah. significant concern on I both know? ends, like the school was probably concerned. I was very concerned because I was like, if this is how medical school is going to go, like... I may not make it. Like now I see why there's like, you know, a, there's people who have trouble with it. And I definitely was one of them. I think we, I think our school had to set the bar high because we were the charter class. So they didn't know, okay, well, if we make them attain at least a 75 to an 80, well, it was passed with concern 75, right? Yeah. Which is a pass. They just say concern because they want to talk to you because they don't want you to fall below that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I think they set the bar really high because they didn't know what to expect from us or what kind of step scores would yeah, come from us. Still to this day, the hardest course was fundamentals. And I think part of it is you're transitioning to this new learning environment trying to figure out how to study for med school and like figure out what works for you. So there's like a lot of transition, just even if I were coming f direct from undergrad, like a lot of our uh, younger peers were like, it's still a big transition. It was point. challenging for everyone yeah. in their own ways. Like I, not to name names at all, but I remember a certain like students I knew they were coming straight out of undergrad. They had like a science background, but there were things they were struggling with that maybe I was understanding. And it wasn't just because of background knowledge, like, or there were certain, like I was struggling hard with immunology and genetics and stuff because I hadn't really ever seen it before. So we each had our own strengths and weaknesses, no matter what your background was. Yeah, yeah. Some no, people really struggle with anatomy. Even like most of the students that had straight pre-med coursework, like a lot of them just didn't take anatomy. It wasn't required, so it was, it was hard. So yeah. fundamentals was tough for everyone. I yeah. came in with this like, because it was in my second undergrad that I really, I mean, I, I think I might have come into med school burnt out because I studied so hard. I mean, hours and hours of studying and understanding and taking all these classes and all these upper division science classes and just going all in that when I got to med school and I realized it was pass or fail, I had this motto, which is maybe a bad motto, and maybe I shouldn't say it here, but I will, that anything over a 75 was a waste of my time, right? Because it's pass or fail. And I know that's a bad mentality to have because you still have to have a step one score, but you don't anymore, which is nice. Um, but I, I was like, I'm not going to kill myself for, you know, I want to be in med school and like absorb all the stuff via osmosis, just being in the environment. I thought I would come here and everybody would be in lecture like in those old 80s movies and I'd be like Rodney Dangerfield and back to school and I'd be learning with all these young kids, but it wasn't like that. You kind of have to take initiative, like you said, learn on your own, go home at night, study. The concept of high yield was totally new to me, um, but I, I did start early with a mindset of like, oh, I just need to pass. Which I mean, is not the it's not a bad one. Like at the academy, the slogan was seize to get degrees because like or 2.0 and go was the motto. Hey. And like this is the crazy thing at the academy, too. It's like if you get a 4.0, which like I didn't realize how common that is, like in the normal undergrad sense, because like when I went to University of Alaska, like there was a lot of people that were getting 4.0s. Like it, you just showed up to class. You did your thing. If you get your 4.0 at the academy, they etched your name into a marble wall. 
That's almost and there's like only a 3. like point shirt. It's like yeah, right. <laughs> it's like four or five people a semester get it. It's wow. not common out of four thousand people. It's impressive. Yeah, so it's like I mean I would say like I graduated with a two point nine nine. Yes, you heard that right, two point nine nine, and uh, I still was in like the top two hundred of my class. With well, a two point nine nine, like a it, hard degree, it's, engineering. Yeah, right? it's a hard yeah. degree, and then like it's just the way that the school's structured. None of the classes have curves, so like your grade is your grade, and like the people that get four point are like the ones that go become like the Rhodes Scholars and you wow. know go to these like absurd, crazy graduate programs like right after. I think if we can, you know, um, instill any knowledge in any, or any ideas into anybody who's listening, is that um, I figured when I came to med school, and I, I think we all should know this. We will never master the content of fundamentals within 13 weeks. Oh, you have no. the rest of your career, life, you're always going to be learning it. So if you can get by with a pass or whatever is sufficient for you, do it. Because there are other things, like Sam says, your sleep, very important. Time with your loved ones, super important. So yeah, you're building a house the whole time through med school and, yeah. you're, and you're filling in the gaps the rest of your career. It's not like you have to have this rock solid foundation. No. You're not going to build that. You no. don't know how to build that. It's impossible to build that from the start. You're going to constantly relearn things. You, and even even those who are like religious with stuff like Anki, like you're going to constantly forget and relearn and forget and relearn stuff. And by the time you're relearning it for like the 10th time somewhere in your career, it will eventually stick forever, but you will still have to relearn things. Yeah, I remember there was a video, um, Dr. Ryan from Boards of Beyond, he was talking about learning. He's, it's like a video about learning and studying. And he's like, I'm a cardiologist. Like, I don't remember this stuff that I'm teaching you guys. I have to relearn it before I teach it myself. So you're only going to know the stuff off the top of your head that you deal with on a, on a you know, a ongoing basis, basis a regular yeah. basis. Exactly. Yeah. So you go, you get here, you're going through fundamentals. It's rough. It's rough for everyone. It's rough for everyone. But you, you do it. We you do it. You pull it off. We all did it. Um, so you guys will too listening. Mitch likes to divide it up into pre-clerkship and clerkship. So okay. um, how did the pre-clerkship years go for you? They were okay. I mean, after fundamentals, I thought like it actually like started making sense for me. Like the way it was structured worked for the way I learned. Like I liked the small groups. I liked seeing people. I liked like going, getting your like thing you have to learn and going home and learning about it. And then yeah. I think it's not PBL. What is it after? IQ. IQ. Inquiry. That worked learning. for me much better. And I thought that like um, the resources they provided, like the texts that went along with the IQ, like that book for cardiology, the Lily book, mm -hmm. Chef's Kiss. I love that book. Yeah. That book. I recommend it to everyone. The way that course was structured along with that book, I felt like I was coming to class and I had like a good grasp on things. I, I love the way our, our course our courses were scheduled, especially like right out of fundamentals. I remember he he specifically. I don't know if it's the same now. It probably is. But mm -hmm. like week one was like red blood cells. Week two was white blood cells. Week three was I think when we got into like cancer biology and stuff. Yeah. So I, having that structure of like, okay, I have one week to learn everything physiology, pathology wise about red blood cells. Go. <laughs> yeah, and like it's nice that worked for me because like I'm very much one of those people. I love to multitask, even though I've learned that I am one not good at it, and two I should not do it. <laughs> but I, think, I still love it. I think um, it's been working. Yeah, I think he's been working out here. for you. Like I said, the jalopy has three spare tires. I don't know if the engine <laughs> runs, but it's rolling. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the way it was structured, I found that like that was very good for my learning style. Um, and I'm glad you agree with it. Yeah. Like it just seemed to like flow nicely. I think most people like the organ based 
kind of learn everything all at once versus, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people would prefer like the full physiology one year, pathology second year, but I love everything at once because you're integrating farm and It's easier to remember when everything's integrated. For sure. Like Mm -hmm. you learn it in multiple different avenues and something is going to stick that way. Yep. You know, like renal, I only learned how the kidney works because of pharmacology where like that didn't help me as much in, I would say, cardiology. Right. So... So you make it through. It doesn't go so bad for you. And then kind of transition to step one. Uh, how did, step one. How did that – remember, not pass-fail for us. It was great. Yeah, we yeah. had scores. And we had no upperclassmen guidance, as you all probably know. So it was kind of like – yeah. Step was, one was not good for me, I'll be honest. Like, So we were starting our step – we were in dedicated right as the pandemic hit. I delayed my step by – I wanted to delay it a week. When did you originally have it? Planned. I originally had it planned for January 27th, whatever the oh, date that's was. Early. Yeah, no, 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 February have... 27th, whatever the original like last date. Yeah, we were supposed to take it by February. I also delayed it until the first week yeah. of March. And just for reference, our school takes it around the end of February. Yeah, which is normal. earlier than And most. so I um, had like a little tragedy. I play recreational softball and we had a little tragedy on our team and it like shook me actually. Like I didn't know this individual very well. Um, but he was also a fellow veteran and I played first base. He played third and he was just kind of, he kind of joined at the end um, of the season and he ended up committing suicide. And it's like one of those things where it's like, this guy has thrown me the ball, like probably hundreds of time from third to first. Like that's a very common throw. And then I realized like, I didn't really know this person. And like, we had a lot in common, um, especially being another vet too. It was, it just like rattled me for like yeah, four or sucks. five days. So I needed to like, I needed that week back because um, it, it did shake me. And unfortunately, I moved it right into COVID lockdown. And so what was one week turned into like essentially five months right, of delaying. They it were rescheduling can- stuff. It was rescheduling. So, so I was constantly so in this like spin up of like, all right, study for step one. You know, let's re-ramp. Let's take a week I off. I remember that. I don't yes. remember how it was for you, but I remember I had friends that like, dude, they were rescheduling them sometimes day of for some people or like the day before you it was, find out it was the day before oh for me i was supposed to we were all we were all back at school and i was supposed to take it that saturday after that first week or second week whenever it was that and it got shut down like march 13th i think i was supposed to take it on the 14th or something mm-hmm. and so i found out like that morning that it was canceled and that sucks for those of you that don't like realize too because you're probably like timing your practice tests a certain way mm-hmm. you're trying to like peak knowledge wise and like get everything in your brain for like a certain date and then all of a sudden they move it it like throws everything off yeah and like i finally was like getting good scores i was like for me like my good score was like mid 220s and i was like all right i'm fine with this like i know like where i'm at like this is what i'm expecting um and it ended up like kicking down the can it got rescheduled four more times and then eventually we're in the middle of like our summer uh online electives and i have it scheduled we have like a four six week break that they've given us at the end of the summer before we're supposed to start clinicals so i'm taking it like the week before we start those clinicals so i'm like i'll give myself a little dedicated well then the school called and like hey we scheduled you for tampa on saturday and so i have like two weeks now in the middle of this course to like start prepping i'm like i'm keeping up with it during this time too just not like full dedicated um and so my scores have actually improved um throughout that time but then by the time i sit for it and start scrambling i ended up like when i sat for it after class friday drove all the way to tampa sat for it all by myself in this huge 
like Tampa Medical School auditorium. It was just me in this gigantic computer bay. And which was nice. It was quiet. You know, don't get me wrong. But um, every click echoes throughout the hall. Yeah. yeah. Every ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> got him. No, um, yeah. So that was an interesting experience. I got my score back. It was not what I was expecting. I got a 210. I was like, oh, this is brutal. Like, like there's no, nothing that's a, that's I can really. Pass. It's a pass. Yeah. yeah. Cs get degrees. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I'm now at this point. No, it's like, well above a pass, we should say. It, it is well it's, above yeah. a pass, yeah. but it definitely closes probably 70% of the doors. Th- that's the thing is that for us, at least at that point when it was, step one was the first objective score you get, and it mm-hmm. was like a gatekeeper for certain specialties. Correct. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, that'd be a tough go for neurosurgery, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, honestly, it's a, a 210 is a tough go for I would say for most for most programs like um it's just hard like a lot of programs have like a cutoff score of 210 or 220 yeah like I'm at like a line essentially like I don't know if they maybe they do 211 or 209 you won't get an interview you won't get an interview come that so I was kind of like defeated that those first weeks um but I was like whatever we're about to start these clinicals let's just get it done I still have step two um and so now we're in clinical years um, Were, I sp- sorry, did you have like a specialty or specialties in mind at that point? I thought I wanted to do like gen surge and I had just had like an issue with my eye. So like ophthalmology, I was still like really interested in. I love that it was like very science based and like still kind of evolving. It was also surgical. Just from your own experience. Yeah, just from my own experience. I had never been to an eye doctor before. So this was like my first intro and just okay. seeing what she does. I was like, oh, this is epic. Like this is super cool. And your like eyes this. good now. My eyes good now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So it took a long time. It took like 16 to 18 months with these little drops, but it's I remember. fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. And so, you know, those doors were essentially closed. Like for I, gen surge. I think so. A 210 no. is pretty – like nah, you have you to think been, it's okay. a huge field. They I'd, get lots of applicants. Maybe we can compromise. Not that it's necessarily closed, but you just made your life a whole lot harder. It's harder. way harder. Yeah. And it's, it, it's and it was bit, hard. Yeah, I ended up applying hard. into – still applying into a harder to get into yeah. specialty like Gen Surge, and it worked out. But, like, I definitely had to, like – really advocate and like do better on step two and like it was it was not as smooth or easy as it could have been um say i had like a two mid 220s or a a 230 range it would have been a lot smoother at the end of the day once you get the score though you live with it so you live with it yeah and like at the end of the day like it was what it was but like and it's really easy to feel defeated. Like, yeah, I felt bad for like a solid four or five days because you're like thinking like, well, this sucks. Like, I can't do this, can't do that. But like, I, I, there's still I, a lot you can do. There's oh, yeah. multiple classmates I remember because I haven't thought about this in a while. Um, and I won't name names, but like even people going into internal medicine or some other specialties that ended up matching at fantastic places. I specifically remember us having private conversations and then being really disappointed with their step one score. Not that it was necessarily a bad overall score, but they're like, man, this isn't where I expected to score. I hope yeah. this doesn't hold me back. There's a lot of like doubts that start creeping in. Definitely. And like, luckily for me, like I didn't have a lot of time to lick my wounds. I, we had that like vacation right after. And that was kind of like a blessing. Like I had two two weeks off to just kind of like recenter, refocus. Versus like four months of like potentially just really like, exactly. Uh, and like I think it would have been hard. Like I don't know. It was still hard, but like stewing over it for a longer time. Yeah. Like it was just such a fast transition into clerkships that like it worked well for me. 
Um, my first clerkship was um, surgery. I, I was, remember. Yeah. Because mine was IM and we were at the same hospital. We were at hospital. Aventura together. Yes. Yeah. You yeah, were on my surgery team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was cool because I was like with I was on rotation with um, Evan and I hadn't Shout had Evan. any <laughs> small groups with him. So I had like really no like um, encounters with him. So it was nice like spending like good time with a He's new person. Cool, right? and, yeah, I love He's Evan. Really so awesome. fun. Like, he was what I, I like still him. say this. He was probably the best. He and I like matched almost like symbiotically with like expectations, desires from these rotations. Like it worked really well. We were on the same page with like was everything. He your, you said he was your buddy. Like, yeah, he was my uh, like your rotation my partner, rotation yeah. buddy for the year. I remember seeing you guys and being so jealous because um, I would see you guys. You guys would always be hanging out and. You know, well, it was funny because they also like paired like two of the tallest people in the class Man. together. And like here we are in like surgery. I remember the vascular surgeon. She was female. And like the only thing she would say, she would like look at the room around the room. And she's like, why are you guys so tall? And like, you know, with surgery, they uh, raise or lower the bed right. depending on your height. And like Obviously, it's kind of hard if yeah. the surgeon is smaller because like especially if you're holding retractors because like you can't like rest your arms you on anything you're like you're literally like holding them up yeah. and it's like oh your arms get really tired oh, they're gonna wow. get tired regardless uh to all you m1s and dudes <laughs> that was such a magical time our very first rotation so much right after covid like we were all at aventura hospital i remember whenever we would see each other we would wave we'd get excited <laughs> yeah, we'd yeah. Go hey, talk. and you're finding like you're like using your knowledge and like relearning like we were talking about you are relearning things that you forgot in the context of something that like you can remember like you can anchor it to um and so like that was that was really enjoyable you're for also me. finally getting to hang around doctors and you know see what yeah you're you gonna see be how doing the system day. works i had no idea like i did not have mm-hmm. i had like spent like three days shadowing in family practice and then like a few probably the equivalent of like a month total in surgery was in Honduras, I would go with the humanitarian surgical team like out into the villages and we would do like a day or two of operations. So that was really like my only experience. But then again, like the health system in Honduras as like an American military like volunteer, you're not learning a health system. You're just like showing up, the surgeons are doing what they're doing and you're helping whatever, you know? So it's very different. So this was like the first time I got to see like how medicine in the States worked. It was pretty. It was eye-opening. Yeah, it was eye-opening. <laughs> I remember you were on. I was on. I was. I ended up sick in the hospital, and I was assigned to your team. Yeah, you were. I, re- <laughs> I We did not operate on a classmate. I don't remember worry. <laughs> explicitly, like you had that look on your face. I was like, he's like, you were like, you, you don't have to have one of the students in the room. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. We're, you guys don't need to come. Yeah, I, I don't want you guys. I don't think I'd want to like. It, that'd be weird, right? It'd be very weird. Yeah, it'd be super I weird. I don't think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that I shouldn't say enjoy. That should be a word. I, I don't think yeah. I would like that. It'd and definitely weird. if the roles were reversed, It'd I definitely would not want yeah. very. Yeah, because you have to be like totally naked when they take you in You're for totally surgery. naked. You're like, you know. Just out. You're out. All out. And like out. you can't, you know, like when you're at the beach, you can like suck it in. But when you're under <laughs> anesthesia, you cannot. No. Like. It's also totally different <laughs> if you're like the operating surgeon versus like I'm a medical student that's not really contributing that meaningfully. Yeah. I'd like I didn't need to be either. swapping yeah. like the porthole camera <laughs> on you. Like that would just be weird. Be really I'm weird. assuming it was laparoscopic. I don't know. It, I wasn't no, there. No, no. It was uh, robotic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was robotic. Which... Even more reason not <laughs> yeah. to be there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even a bigger reason not to be there. Those are the most 
almost yeah. as a med student observer or whatever. But that are. was weird. Like I remember yeah. we came and visited you post-op. And I like, loved it. I yeah. love that you guys came and visited post-op. Gave you applesauce or something. That was probably. fantastic. <laughs> such a such a great experience. Yeah. So you're making it through. You know, you start off with surgery. Did so you did your surgical rotation at Aventura, and you said you were kind of interested in general surgery. So like, how were you feeling after that rotation? Were you like surgeries for me? So I, I definitely thought surgery was still for me. I knew like with my step one score, maybe not, but um, I was still willing to keep it on the table. I right. coming from civil engineering where you're building stuff and like working with your hands on projects. Like Procedures I definitely wanted something more like manual on a day to day basis. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, surgery still on the table. The this way I approached why- it, I was like, I'm going to keep all of these on the table. And then if I really don't like it, I'll take it off the table. This is why I'm so happy. Step one is pass fail now. And I know it's controversial, but because you have this amazing candidate. You have you, right? Well, thank you. And now you're That's thinking like, oh, my step one score, but like you would add so much to the field. And I th- and this is why I'm happy it's pass fail now. Um, I think it also just like lets you focus on like learning in a different way. Yeah. Like the step one stuff is important to learn. It's like the basic sciences, but like the way you learn it is a very specific format that you learn it. It's pattern recognition of brute force memorization. Correct. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very associative. Like. And I noticed this on step two. It's the same thing. Like, you learn the pattern yeah. and you pick the answer. At the end of the day, like, you will need an objective score for them to stratify you by. But at least now it's just one with a test that I think is more uh, applicable. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, even as students, I have to say we like it. But it's it's much more palatable to do step two questions and to talk yeah. about next steps and diagnostics versus, like, remembering biochem pathways. Exactly. Not that step one's all that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it shows up a little on step two, but not in the way it did on step one. In a fair one. way. Yeah, and it shows up. It's, like, up. and it gives you, like, the ones that you, you should know, like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> don't I don't remember any. Yeah, I was trying to think of yeah, something, yeah, but we're sorry. Everything exits. <laughs> Maybe where a drug works. I we're don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe what like, a drug is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like that. We look at each other like, guys, you remember stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that's the yeah. what? What is an important thing to know? Yeah. I don't know. There's an enzyme in the liver that's important. That yeah. one. And I know I need a, know that one. And I know I need the a CP liver. So like, cytochrome something, something. Yeah. yeah, that one. Some number. I'll be yeah. able to pick it out I from a multiple choice. <laughs> we'll be reading No, no, no. Stuff. But like, it is one of those things where like, and the nice part is as you prepare for step two, you've already had a year of taking shelves that are step two based questions, mm-hmm. at least close enough. Yes. Yep. That you feel really confident. Lots of little Even just as Same you start studying for step two. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened? Like I actually, I feel like I, I felt way more confident in like my ability um, when I went to go sit for step step two. And Good. did you end up performing better on step two? Yeah, I had like a 30-point increase. Nice. Fantastic. So, I Good. mean, starting from a 210, that's not like as grand. And no, it was probably it is closer. Grand. It, it is, is grand. Good. I was good. don't get me wrong. I was stoked. I was like dancing, like, you know, mm. it was it was a good vibe that yeah, day. Good. But it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like I can at least like maybe they're prepping for next year with the pass fail and they're gonna look at step two. <laughs> maybe I'll make a list that way. So it gave me a lot more confidence when I was going to apply to like a specialty that I felt like I was kind of on the bottom la- rung of the ladder or even out of the sure. game for. Um, and I will say this, like I think all of us have unique parts of our application, um, whether you're a direct entry or you're, you took a year off to, for a gap year or you did an SMP or you have a non-traditional background like you and I, or like you were an EMT, right? Yeah, so for like, a few years. Yeah, so like we all have like some unique things and like those do get picked up on, maybe not on the initial filter, but people are, at least in OB, like 
they are people are reading these applications. I yes. think I think that um, I can only speak from my experience, but in my interviews, I talked a lot with like mo- almost every single program about my life before medical school, because like those things do separate you from everyone else. Your background in the military or doing film, even if you haven't done film in ten years or whatever, and I haven't done EMT in a while, those that is who you are, and like that will separate you. So it's all good. Definitely, and they do read it. Yes. They do oh, yeah. read these applications, which is nice. From I mean, an admission standpoint, even here at our school, me doing admissions, I read them. We read them. We read the personal statements. We read everything. Yeah, and I, I will say this: my personal statement, like, definitely saved me. Like, I think I was able to, in like, in my one page, I was able to like write down enough that like enough that I like hook someone at least for like an interview. Um, and I knew like by the time I had gone through second year, or excuse me, clerkships. I knew I still wanted to do surgery, but I also really liked primary care. And so by the time I got to OB second semester, it was like the perfect blend of both. It's primary care for women and it's 50% of the population. And then it's also surgical Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of variability in in the between. When was that rotation for you? So that was my second yeah, no, that was my first rotation, second semester of third year. So. I think okay, we so had like the halfway. same halfway. We went, we went to the same preceptor, but you were right before me. Yeah, Doctor Bunting, right? Yes, oh, she's yeah, amazing. With that group. She, Shout I out was Dr. Bunting. Dr. Salas. Okay, yeah, same group. I I really enjoyed it. Like it's hard doing your clerkships in a private practice because it is a little different. Like you're, you're with an attending. You're with an attending, rather and than, it's their practice. You're not at a hospital right? with a residency program. Like at the end of the day, it's like these are their patients, and you kind of have to respect that. But like. I definitely felt like I was exposed to enough that I felt confident in making that choice. Like this, I could do this. Like okay. this is enjoyable for so me. I would argue that being with the attending is better for making the career choice. You oh, know? absolutely. Because you can see what the rest of your life, I not mean, just the next four years is Residency like. is going to be tough no matter what you do. Like I don't care what they say about like the easier lifestyle residencies. They're still tough. Like it's a huge time demand. You're still learning. You know, it's a grind. Um, but you want to see, you definitely want to see what it looks like from the attending perspective. I, I, and we've talked about that before too. Like when making your career decision, do not make it based on your medical student experience or what residency would be like. Make it on that 10, 20, 30 year down the line, mm-hmm. what that attending life is going to look like. I, w- I would say that like inter- maybe internal medicine and surgery, you'll have a better experience if you're seeing a bunch of residents for, oh, yeah, as for far sure. as learning. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But for something like OB or anything in general, um, just have like even for an internal medicine specialty or something, having a month to just be with an attending and be working hand on hand with them, that's uh, pretty invaluable. Yeah, and like even primary care, like I like the way our primary care worked. We were mm-hmm. with an attending, and like that was like the first time I got to see like day in day out. I was like, this is very doable. Like I enjoy this. Like you get like launch longitudinal patient time. Like you're building these relationships. Like this doctor has good rapport with all them. Um, and that's by the time, so I had done both of those. And then when I got to OB, it was the perfect blend of both. And I was like, all right, we'll do this. I was definitely on the lower end of like the score metrics and whatnot. But I was like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just money. We'll apply. If it happens, it's going to happen. But if I don't apply, I'll always regret it. So, so fast forward a little bit towards application season. Yeah. Did you just apply to OB? Did you apply multiple specialties? How did that all work? For so you? I applied to OB and then I had like sent out the applications and then I was talking with our learning community mentor and she's like, let's definitely get you a backup plan. Like the last few years, OB has been very competitive because it is surgical. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's apply into IM or primary care. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to do one of them, I think I'd like to do IM because there's still opportunities on the back end where I could do more procedural based and still get that like satisfaction of like doing like a manual task from time to time. 
Um, so I applied into IM as well. So I applied to a ton of programs because like OB, I knew I just needed people to like read my application and hopefully get me an interview. I applied to 144 OB programs, wow. which is a lot. Yeah. But the thing that scared me, I was with, I did an away rotation in Las Vegas at HCA Mountain View and absolutely loved it. It was OB. They had a surgical prelim there who soaped and she was AOA from UC San Diego, applied to OB and she didn't get it. And she was telling me, she's like, now in the days of virtual interviews, they have way more applicants. It's super competitive. She's like, just apply smartly because like I was told like apply to 45 programs, you're bound to get enough interviews to match. And she did get interviews. She was super smart, super nice. You know, like she just told me, she's like, Sam, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like make sure you apply very, very broadly. And I'm really glad I did because when the interviews came in, I couldn't have done it like geographically preference wise. Like they were everywhere right? from Same. coast to coast, north to south, everywhere. Right. And so I had to spend that money on applicants because like at the end of the day, it's a lot of money. It probably cost me about 4,500 just for the OB applications. And then I also applied to the internal medicine one How many as well. of those did you apply I only to? sent out 40 internal medicine. So it was wow. still expensive. It's it was still, like yeah. at that price point, that's it, like $1,500. But we weren't traveling for interviews. You know, I wasn't paying for like last minute flights or hotels. So I was like, this is it. It's my career. I can invest in myself. Oh, no. We, we always say never, spa- don't spare a dime when it yeah, comes to no, applications. Like be prepared to within spend reason. more. Within yeah, reason. within well. reason. Um, and like, obviously I had to do this cause I was on the lower end of the competitive score. I think you're, you're hedging your bets cause you only applied to one medical school. So you're like, this is <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, now I really out. need to spread now it I out. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saved the money there. Now I can really spend the money, but it, it is expensive. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is your career. You know, we're going to have to keep spending money to like maintain licensure and stuff like that. I like, think you did the right thing. It's one thing if like you have like competitive step scores and you're like, objectively, I'm a very competitive applicant. I'm, there wouldn't be a reason to apply to 100 and whatever programs. Yeah. But in your case, you're like, I'm a little worried about my step one score. OB's particularly competitive. I'm going to play it safe rather than play it sorry, which is a good idea. And it's a drop in the bucket compared to a loss of a year of not matching or not being Yeah, able to and train. I was like, and, and that was still a possibility. Like I could have spent all that money and not gotten any interviews, which yeah. is, I, I was okay spending that money because at the end of the day, it's like, I at least tried, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, um, I could go to bed. And how Every many like how that. many interview, OB interviews did you end up getting? I ended up getting 16. So and then it was like Did you even a, take the IM ones at that well, point or so, they probably so came in earlier? So the way um IM was like crazy how the applications work. Like I remember like the day after ERAS like I got like an email for an interview. I was like, "Oh my gosh, someone wants me." It felt like mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was IM. And they kept they were slowly rolling in. And so I kind of I went on two of them. Um before and then OB rolls them all out on the same day. Right. So like October 16th, they've had like two or three weeks to like review your applications, maybe more, maybe like six weeks. I don't uh, know. Yeah, because I think it was yeah. September 1st. And I was so month. thankful for that 15th. because I am when month. they came out, it was like scrambling. And there was a few that I didn't get my email opened in time. And by the time I went to schedule it, it was, there was only waitlist positions right. available. Oh, wow. Where OB, they only sent out what they had. Okay. So like on that day, you knew where you stood That's in good. regards to OB. So like those first three days of OB, I felt, I was like, oh wow. Like, and then I knew, I was like, this is probably, this could happen for me. So like I knew I had enough interviews to like realistically make someone's match list yeah, somewhere. Sure. And so I started canceling the IM programs that I knew like I I wouldn't, 
want to go. And like it was early enough in the game that I was like glad because that opens up spots for people to go get mm-hmm. these. Like, I, I know we were like half joking that you apply to so many programs, but you said you got 16 interviews, right? Yeah. Which is a normal, like reasonable number of interviews to attend. Like right. I, exactly. I Imagine had you applied to 40 or 50. Yeah, if I would have yeah. applied to like even like 80 programs, right. like I would have done it geographically and I would not have gotten all those because like I said, they were everywhere. And it's still very possible you could have matched, but the statistics start going way against Exactly. You. It really is a numbers game when it comes yeah. to it. And I did I feel bad that I was one of those people like oversaturated saturating the application pool yes but also no like this is no I don't. this is a time the one time i'll say it's like okay to be a little bit like selfish because at the end of the day someone is spending three minutes reading your personal statement and making a decision i was gonna say like, earlier but i think it applies more now is that by applying to a whatever number of programs even if you apply to 300 programs you're hurting nobody if you get 40, 50 interviews and you go on all of those, then sure. Then you're hurting Then someone. you can feel bad because you're taking up spots. Yeah. You're only going to match to one place. People could have interviewed there that now otherwise might have to soap. But if you're going on a reasonable number of interviews, 15, 16 interviews, that's that's perfect. So you actually applied to the right number of places for mm-hmm. your situation. Exactly. And it worked and out. It worked out well. And yeah, so I applied to 91 programs. This is for IM. Yeah, but so like this year. You have to. You have to. Yeah. You know? it, that's just how it went. Yeah. And, and like IM was crumbles. weird because – Mm-hmm. Tell the cookie crumbles. I am was interesting because they did like that preference. I yeah, we had to do the, the the supplemental app, which they're going to redo again next year. Um, I guess it was a success for them. It was not a success I, for me. Yeah. I got zero of my preferences, and it also didn't help that like what would have been my number one was not a selectable program. <laughs> when it came yeah, to one pro- of mine was pregnancy. Well. Yeah. I ended up matching in a place that didn't end up on my geographic preference or on my top five because I was like, there's no way they're going to want me. I'm not going to put them in my top five. two of the five. For interviews. I only got one of the the five. Out of the five, I preferenced two of them. Okay. That's still like good odds though. Yes. Like I got none off of it. And like some of them weren't reach programs by any means. Same for me. I was like, like, maybe it's just like competitive or maybe they weren't, this program wasn't using this function or something. So maybe it'll be more applicable, but. Um, at the end of the day, those are really only designed to like help the programs sure. reduce the number of applications they have to read. Like, I'm sure they're probably going to like, maybe, who knows? I'm maybe not they'll PD, use it more next year. Yeah, we're just speculating. Yeah. Maybe next year it'll use it more. But yeah, you have to apply to more. Like I said, 91 programs for me, and that that yielded if they, 18 if, interviews. If which they is keep staying amount. virtual, your w- students are going to have to over-apply. apply broadly right. and yep. overapply because it's it's a numbers game at the end of the day. So we have unfortunately you know, like 10, 15 minutes left. If maybe we could talk more specifically about like how the match went for you, okay. Um, and then if you could like maybe shed some light on just uh, maybe the different options off of OBGYN career-wise. I don't know anything about if there's fellowships, um, just what students could expect. Yeah, definitely. Um, match went incredibly well for me. I'm gonna start at University of Colorado in Denver. Woo. It was my top pick. I was like totally shocked because that was like the one reach program I got an interview at. Um, I will say this as a male applicant going into OB, like you'll scroll through programs and there will be four to six years where some of these programs have not had a male resident. So you definitely stand out as a male. I think we make up like five to seven percent of the total applicant pool. Does that help you overall? Absolutely. Okay. Like, yeah, I was reading I, that OB is like 85 percent female yeah. now and it used to be used to be the reverse exactly and so i think they're trying to get back to that like a little more equilibrium standpoint of like at least closer to 50 50 i definitely think um there's something uh very innate and natural about having a a woman provider in women's health sure Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but I do think men still have a role in it. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's 50% of the population. And like, you know, they're, I definitely feel like they're a population I'd work with in any other field. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like not be, why would I be afraid to do OB as a male? So totally agree. I really liked it. And uh, it's surgical, it's primary care, it's a blend of both. Um, and our favorite OBGYN. Dr. DeLeon. Exactly. Dr. DeLeon. Exactly. I got to say, I, I, I bet your interviews all went very well. And this is just me speculating, but I'm pretty certain they did. I hope they if they're did. going anything like this past hour has gone. There, there were a few <laughs> that were like, I was like, man, I am, I don't know how this is going. But I think that's like a normal thing. Like, you will get asked some weird questions. Like, I think my favorite weird question I got was, um, so... I see you were in the military. I don't know if I should view that as a positive or a negative. What are the negative things about your military experience that I should be concerned about? That you should be concerned about? Yeah, and oh I was like, question. I was like, uh, it was like one of those, like, what are your weaknesses? But like the way she said it was like, I don't know, it made me feel like. That's a terrible phrase. Not anti-military, <laughs> but definitely like did not make me feel like she. Uh, well, it's a bad question because they're saying like there is something wrong about your experience in the military. Tell me what it was. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. I had like a mini career in between. I was responsible for like a lot of people at one point in time. And like I know how to budget and like I'm financially like <laughs> secure and literate <laughs> yeah. at this point in my life. Like I don't re- I don't really know like any negatives to say. And that's what I ended up saying. I was like, I really don't think there's yeah, any agree. negatives other than like I show up on time sometimes early. <laughs> like, you know, um, but yeah, yeah it was. All you're gonna get some yeah. doozies out there, but just don't let. The nice part is like, the 20 minute clock of that interview resets the next time you sit in front yeah, of someone. Yeah, 100. Were you like me, where, you know, you you have all these interviews and everybody around you goes, oh, you'd be fine. You have all these interviews, right? And then like the couple of days leading up to that Monday before a match, you're like, no, they all thought I was weird. I honestly um, did it. it. Like that's I, it. I'm, not I'm a big believer in like manifesting and like doing intention statements. Okay, I may good. not be okay. come Need off that way, but like that. I definitely think that like we have a lot of say in how we can get the universe to work in our favor. <laughs> it sounds very okay. manipulative, but like if you're not like actively putting it out there and like making steps daily to make that happen, like I networked a lot. Like for my number one program, like I was going to like the evening meetings that they had. I like was trying to show them that I wanted to be there. I was asking the questions like, you know, I befriended a fellow to find out more about the program on the back end um, because out of OB, there's a lot of fellowships. There's maternal fetal medicine where you work in like high risk um, pregnancies, whether that's um, on the fetal or the maternal end. Um, There's REI, reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Um, There's minimally invasive surgery. There's like a lot of different things. You can go into like a family planning fellowship. There's a lot of options out of just core OB. When I was on um, OB, there was a surgeon at uh, Plantation General and he was like a surgical, um, he was an OBGYN. Yeah, Gynoc. Gynoc, yeah. And dude, he was doing major, uh, you know, cancer surgeries, oncological surgeries you couldn't differentiate them from a, a general surgeon or any other type of surgeon. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible fellowship. Was it Dr. Black? No. Or, okay. uh, Shout out Dr. Black. Shout out Dr. Incredible. Black. Yeah. Incredible. Such a good teacher. I too. think his name was yep. Dr. Wynn. Yeah, Dr. Oh, Wynn. Yeah, yeah. He was a very small, unassuming uh, uh, yeah. Vietnamese surgeon, very, very quiet, but then he was just an absolute like gangster in the OR. He, I remember we took out like this th- 36 week fibroid like I didn't even realize it was a uterus it literally looked like this it looked like an alien creature when he like took it out of the body cavity and there was so much blood and he was just like going so fast this thing was gone in like 
maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, and he like barely would say anything at all. And then he, when he would, like the room was just silent because he, dude, I mean, he's just absolutely Yeah, concert. he was so good. Yeah. And just nice. Yeah. Every, like, every OB, friendly. in my opinion, every OB I've ever met is nice. So I'm glad you're going into the profession. Um, and you took the REI elective, right? I did. Yeah. Fantastic. Best thing I've ever oh, taken yeah. at our school. I loved it because loved like it. the amount of time she would spend counseling with the patients. I was like, this is awesome. Granted, it's very REI specific. Like, you know, REI, it's not available to everyone. Like it's cash pay, you know, to do like a lot of these infertility it's treatments. IVF. It's IVF. Yeah. It's IUI, artificial insemination and um, or interuterine insemination, excuse me. But like it's it's like lab work. It's very sciencey. It's a lot of Super upfront sciencey. costs for these providers, and it's it's not for everyone. So like I didn't see that in my future. It's definitely interesting, and they're helping people achieve their family, whether it's through surrogacy or adoption. So it definitely serves an important role. Um, but did yeah, you get to was, see the ICSI procedure in I did. the back lab? It was so cool. incredible. That's like science, like being they showed you in your face. It's like a futuristic movie. I love it. It's literally it. where they like pipette a sperm, sperm into, into an egg. An egg. Like and you watch sperm. it. A single yes. sperm. And you watch it. It's like they watching like sperms. the nature channel. Do you see yes. it like start to like. You don't know. It takes time, right? Yeah, yeah. but they do record it. So yeah. um, you get to watch like the recording it? and they time lapse. No it. way. Yeah, yeah. And then they incubate the, the embryos and you, you see That's them day amazing. by day. Yeah. As they, it's, it was it's a cool one of the most incredible things. Yes. I really liked it. That I, was like everything I read in books and then it was like on a screen in my face. I Incredible. Was, I was just thinking maybe this is a good way to transition, unfortunately, to the close. But I feel like if you are an aspiring OBGYN or you have OBGYN on your radar and you happen to go to NSUMD, you're in a really good spot. Oh, absolutely. Because you yes. have people like Sam, uh, Steph, Alexa. Are, are there uh, OBs that I'm missing? No, nope, just it. those three. Okay, yeah, yes. Those. Great students that have gone into, and they are going to great places. They're all very friendly people who I'm sure will be willing to talk to you. You have faculty like Dr. DeLeon, who are just some of the best educators and people you'll ever meet. Dr. J. Cohen. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of great people associated with just OBGYN. And then we have awesome electives, um, yeah. multiple electives, and even our core OBGYN rotation is really strong. Yeah, it's and anyone that's going into surgery too, you should do the advanced OB elective down at Mercy yes. because the amount of time you get to be in the OR and like actually do things like the providers there were like let it they were very hands-on they yep. taught like there's a lot of core competencies that you do, you will develop that you will that would be good to know um, and even just like suturing they'll um, teach you how to suture yeah. and in a so beautifully too. a lot of the um, surgical assistants there are like surgeons from Cuba from Venezuela yeah. and they're just they do beautiful work and they'll show you yeah. how to do what they do it's very a very good um, course for sure. Yeah. Well, Sam, uh, boy we Sam. could talk to you all day. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> this is yeah, a delight. We've had yeah. to like speed through some stuff cause we're just going on tangents, but which don't that's get what wrong, we do. We're the tangent yeah. masters. I know. It, yeah. but, and then we're limited by time, which sucks. We have a two hour block in the studio. We could talk for hours, I'm sure. Um, but dude, you have an awesome future ahead of you. OBGYN is super, it, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I could have definitely seen myself doing it in a different world. Um, it's exciting. So I think you're perfect for it. I'm so excited you're going into it. I, I remember from year one watching you do Palm and how much I felt that I, I remember I just wandered into your Palm group. Well, hopefully, Uma it was, was not the there. day we were doing our female exam no, because no, no. that was like no. enough this to was make like, me not 
qualify for OB. <laughs> this was this was year one, and I remember you guys were just practicing interviews, and I went in there. I just randomly stumbled into your room, and I was your fake patient. And I remember feeling like, ah, this guy's gonna be so great. You can make shared decisions with him, and I got that feeling from you, and it, from year one. And I was like, this guy's gonna be great. I hope he does something like where he sees people for a long time. People are going to enjoy seeing you. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, thank you. So well, now I'm not going to be able to leave the studio because my head's so big. No. <laughs> Your ego's not going to yeah. fit through the door. No, no thank you. I'm excited to see like where we're all at in the next like three, four years. We're all going to do great. Like I do think like, you know, everyone that we've interacted with these last four years has done like incredible in their own way and they're doing their own path and, you know, you guys are going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited. Full I, circle moment. You get to snowboard again. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have so, a snowboard? I do. I have, okay. And this is the funny thing. Like the program director called and like, congratulations on match day or the day after. She's like, get ready to trade in those flip flops for your snowboards. And I was like, I sleep on top of my snowboards every night. <laughs> They're under my fold up bed, like right underneath my body. They never went far. Aww. That's beautiful. Yeah. Full circle. <laughs> well. Well. Boy Sam. Boy girl Sam. Sam. Girl it's Sam. been a pleasure talking boy to both of you, but especially <laughs> Boy Sam. Uh, congrats again. It's been great having you. And until next time, everybody. Play our music on Sink or Swim. We got Boy Sam and Girl Sam. We're swimming. Swimming and like him. Swimming like sperm and OBGYN because that's what they do. They like. swim. Sometimes they go down and up, but most of the time forward towards an egg. It's the playout music. Woo!